Amen. Very sobering song to wake us up to the reality of how we can go through the Christmas season. We can go through all of this and make it about parties and white elephants and traveling and food and have no room for Jesus. I pray that that's not the case of your home or your family or your life, that you would definitely make room for Jesus. My sermon title this morning is Christmas DNA. Christmas DNA. People are absolutely fascinated about ancestors and genealogy. An entire industry has been built around this idea of DNA. We now have in-home testing kits. And the reality is most of us didn't even know how to spell DNA until the O.J. Simpson trial. That thing changed everything. Amen. Uh, DNA became a buzzword after that. And DNA now is a billion, with a B, a billion-dollar industry and a crime-solving machine. In fact, the Golden State Killer Case, Golden State Killer Case was solved 40 years after the murder. 40 years after the murder, they had evidence from a crime scene, and they took it and put it in the national, international database for DNA. And some of the killer's family had done the Ancestry.com testing kits, and when police put that DNA in the national database, they had a match. And through the process of elimination, a 40-year-old murder was finally solved thanks to DNA. These in-home kits are selling like hotcakes. I did one about three years ago. People are absolutely fascinated about their roots and about who they are because it can bring closure to health issues. It can help us understand who we are and our personality types. And today what I wanted us to do, talking about Christmas DNA, I wanted us to look at the ancestors, the earthly ancestors of Jesus Christ. And I want us to see how this is important. And I think you'll understand how important the genealogy of Jesus is if you take into consideration the big picture. The big picture is this. Uh, in fact, for, for more study and more in-depth study, you would want to go back to Genesis chapter 6. You would want to study why the flood had to happen. You would want to study how uh, the enemy had a plan all along to disrupt uh, the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, the enemy all along had this plan, and he would change it because he isn't sovereign. He isn't in control. And, and you see throughout history at times when there's been mass murders of babies, whether you're talking about during the days of the Egyptians when Moses was preserved, or whether you're fast-forwarding to the New Testament era when King Herod ordered that all babies two years old and younger be slaughtered. All of those were attempts by the enemy to change the genealogy, to change DNA. And, and when you do an in-depth study on Genesis chapter 6 and why the flood had to happen, and when you look at the story of the Nephilim and you understand how they came about, you'll finally understand why all these years, when you uh, just randomly opened your Bible in the Old Testament and it had that continual, he begat he, and he begat he, and he begat he, and you'd always get stumbled along those names and how to pronounce them. But you would also ask this question. How do I know? Because I asked it. 
Why all of it? Why is this genealogy important? It's crucial. It is absolutely crucial to God's providence and God's sovereign plan all along. You might have heard the story about the little four-year-old girl. She wrote a letter to God. And this is what that little four-year-old precious girl said. She said, Dear God, I read the Bible. And what does the word begat mean? No one will explain it to me. And whatever it means, there was a lot of begatting in the Bible. Like many of you, she would get to those sections and skip over and say, oh, that's not important. Who begat who and begat who and what? Why is that? No, it is important. Genealogy is important. We know that Jesus Christ is the divine son. He is the divine son of God, the one and only, the only begotten. But he also has a human genealogy. He is 100% God, 100% man, and because of that, his genealogy is crucial to understanding the story of Christmas. Christmas DNA is crucial. In fact, when we, when we open up Matthew chapter 1, it begins with what? The genealogy of Jesus. The very first New Testament book opens with those begats. It opens with the DNA. And so they're there for a reason. In fact, it's crucial to your understanding of who Jesus is when you recognize that He had to come from the line of King David. He had to be a son of David, a descendant of David. And Jesus meets that Jewish criteria on both sides, Joseph and Mary. Both of them are descendants of King David. So the earthly parents played a very crucial role, not only in the nativity, but in the entire Christmas story. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can open it to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses out of Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 1. So if you're physically able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The very first book in the New Testament, Matthew 1. Christmas DNA is very important. Don't ignore it. It tells you in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, the historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's important. That's important. The son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. Mark your spot there in Matthew 1, but flip over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Which he promised long ago through his prophets... In the Holy Scriptures, verse 3, 
concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David, according to the flesh, and who has been declared to be the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness. Let us pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you that you inhabit the praise of your people. Thank you for this season where we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, if we're to be honest today, just as Marlene reminded us, a lot of times in our busy, hectic schedule, and a lot of times in our travels and parties and plans, there is no room for Jesus. We confess that to you and ask you to forgive us of that and ask you to help us, God, to to clear everything else out and make it about Jesus and the celebration of the birth in Bethlehem. Speak to our hearts today about Christmas DNA and why the genealogy is so important. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you for the birth that we celebrate. Forgive us of uh, our sins. Forgive us of the times that we've focused on all the other stuff instead of the Savior. Speak to our hearts today through the moving of your Holy Spirit and through the reading of your Holy Word. Hide me behind that old rugged cross that these here today wouldn't hear from me, but that they would hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You see, the Gospel of Matthew opens up with a crucial word there. The historical record of Jesus Christ, the Son of David. The historical record, the archaeology, the history, the genealogy, it opens there the very opening pages of the New Testament that He is the Son of David. The fulfillment of this Messiah coming from the line of David. God used humans to fulfill His plan. The earthly parents of Jesus are very important. And Jesus was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. Son of David. Think about how many times. Son of David. Son of David. Son of David. That's not just a description of genealogy. That's a title. That is a title of utmost importance that this Jesus, the Son of David. Not a Son of David. The Son of David the one whom the Messiah, that Messianic line would come through, that genealogy. Joseph and Mary, as I mentioned earlier, were both descendants of King David. And it doesn't just mention David in the historical record there in Matthew 1. It mentions Abraham, the patriarch of the faith. Father Abraham. We, we, We think about how important David is in the, in the Jewish story. But think about how important Abraham is. The, the father of all. And how through that seed would come the blessing. Father Abraham. We know how important he is as a patriarch of the Jewish faith. But I want you to pay particular attention this morning. Not just to the maybe what we, you and I would call the heroes of the faith. But there was something very subtle in that genealogy that maybe you didn't pay attention to. But if you go back and you look at the the record in Matthew chapter 1, it not only mentions these great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, 
But lo and behold, look around verse 5 where it says, Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, particularly if you're a student of the Old Testament, that name Rahab ought to stand out to you. You would know, if you're, if you're a student of the Bible, you'd know that Rahab had a reputation. Well, what was her reputation? Well, we can talk about it. We can be serious and have a serious conversation. Rahab was a harlot. Rahab's reputation was terrible. And yet, in the genealogy of Jesus, she is mentioned. And it doesn't mention that she's a, a harlot. Although when you go to the Old Testament and you read about how she used to be and you read about her past, you'll see Rahab the harlot. But now it's just Rahab in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Rahab. It's revered. It, it, it's not knocked. It's not whispered. Imagine all those people around Jericho that used to talk about Rahab. Well, you know about her. You know what she did. You know what they say about her. All the whispers and judgmental glances. But here, lo and behold, in the New Testament, where Jesus says, I make all things new, she's not the harlot anymore. She is in the genealogy of Jesus. What do you think about that during the Christmas story? Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you used to be, what you used to be is not who you are in Christ. Amen. But it's not just Rahab. Not just this harlot. And I'm going to tell you, I do not believe that it's just an accident or a coincidence that she's mentioned there in the genealogy. I think what it tells me and what it tells you, the fact that she's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, is that regardless of what you've done, where you've been, the story of Jesus is the story of redemption. Amen. The story of Jesus is the story about regardless of where you are, I will find you, and I'm going to get you out of that, and I'm going to deliver you from that, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to redeem you, because that's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus does. But not only do we have Rahab, but look a little further, and you'll notice that it mentions Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Now, we just studied Ruth not too long ago on our Wednesday night Bible study, which I invite you to be a part of. Uh, we finished with Ruth, but listen, Ruth is a beautiful story of the kinsman redeemer. We talked about how important that kinsman redeemer, that close relative, the only relative who could redeem you, the only relative who could pay off your debt was a kinsman redeemer. And in the story of Ruth, this beautiful story of a, of a, of a daughter-in-law who decided to stick with her mother-in-law, even though the legal bonds and the, the civil society said, you don't have to stay with her. Your husband has died. Her husband has died. She's released you from any obligation. Just go on about your business. But Ruth said, no, I'm going to stick with Naomi. I'm going to go where she goes. Her people will be my people, and her God will be my God. And where she dies, I'll die. I mean, you talk about loyalty. It's a beautiful story of loyalty. Beautiful story of the kinsman redeemer. She's mentioned. She's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. For the first century genealogy to even reference a woman is an odd thing. 
The genealogy always focused on the men. Now, whether today in the 21st century you think that's fair or you think that's politically correct or not, doesn't matter. Here's what I'm going to tell you. In any other historical document that we can go dig up and find genealogy, it's always the man, 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 the man. Well, last time I checked, it takes two tango. Can I get a witness? And the woman is just as important. And guess what? Right here in your Bible, in the genealogy of Jesus, it mentions women. And yet there are knuckleheads out there who say the Bible is against women. Who say the Bible is anti-feminine. In the genealogy of Jesus, two women, not just any women, Rahab a harlot and Ruth, who go check her genealogy, was not a Jew, a Moabite. Of all people to mention in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, don't miss this, women, and not just anyone, but a woman of ill repute and a woman that wasn't even a Jew. I think it's there. I know it's there for a reason to point out to us that genealogy is important. Jesus' story is, the, is what Christmas is all about. The genealogy is a root that runs deep. You, I want you to think about that. You know, we had some, uh, some azalea bushes right on our, our, our property line, and they were coming over into the driveway, and, and the, the neighbor and I talked about it years ago, and he cut them down. But how many, you know, he didn't dig down deep enough. Them jokers are determined, honey. Them jokers are popping up and coming out years later because the root is important. Your roots, your roots are important. Genealogy can explain some things. Genealogy can, can maybe answer some questions that you have. But in the genealogy of Jesus, it's pointed out for a reason. The promised Messiah, the long-awaited Christ, was born in Bethlehem, a very small village, mind you. Any of you small town people? <laughs> Jesus can relate. <laughs> small, obscure village, full of shepherds, what most people in the first century would describe as low class. Joseph and Mary, the earthly parents, Jesus came from that line of David and they made that journey all the way from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Because why? Because Micah, an Old Testament prophet, in Micah chapter 5 and, and verse 2, it talked about how of all the places, oh, Bethlehem, that's where the Messiah would be born. So that had to be, a, that had to be fulfilled, and that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You see, everything is connected. Everyone has a connection we were talking about that earlier, you know. Some people don't want to do a genealogy study because they may find out they're married to their cousin. <laughs> Hello, somebody. You might have to move to Arkansas. Can I get a witness? Uh, but your genealogy helps to shape your identity. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions this morning. Who are you? And who's your daddy? Do you have the blood of Jesus Christ covering your sins? The blood matters. The DNA, 
is crucial. If you do not belong to Jesus Christ, then you will not go to the Father's house. But if you do belong to Jesus Christ and that blood, that DNA covers you, then heaven awaits. When Jesus is your Savior, it changes who you are. It changes your identity. When Jesus is your Savior, it makes a difference. That birth in Bethlehem is not just another birth of all the billions upon billions upon billions of births that have ever happened. That birth in Bethlehem is different. That birth in Bethlehem changed everything. Has it changed you though? Has it made a difference in your life? Has it changed the way you think? Has it changed the way you talk? Has it changed the way you live? DNA matters. D-N-A matters. Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to work on the hearts of the people here today to show them how important, how important that DNA is. And that today that they would ask that question, am I covered by the blood of Jesus? Am I going to the Father's house? Do I belong to the Father because of the Son? And that today they would get real about a relationship, not religion, but a relationship with Jesus. I pray for people here that have had no room for Jesus during this busy season, that you would convict them of that and show them how they need to clear out that calendar. Nothing else matters if there's no room for Jesus. I pray for people here that may be seeking, asking, knocking, people that are, are open and receptive, but have yet to cross that line, cross that threshold. Come on over. Come to Jesus. Be saved. I'm praying for people that have already made that decision, that are born again, that have a relationship with Jesus, but are still overwhelmed and booked up and busy. This altar will be open for people to pray. This altar will be open for people to lift up friends and family that don't get it, that don't understand the nativity, that don't understand DNA. Brother Laird will be standing down here. I'll be standing down here. You may have questions about church, about baptism. You may have a special prayer need. Don't worry about what people will think if you come down. Worry about what God knows if you don't come down. Have your way, Lord God. This is our prayer that you would use this time of invitation to deal with people's hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? <laughs>